there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds. You're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, I have our fearless editor uh, at AO Varsity, Brandon Vogel. Brandon, how are you? Doing pretty well. Uh, was expecting to be, you know, fully embroiled in thinking about Illinois, but here we are. That, that never seems to be, uh, never seems to be a prescribed path of late with Nebraska football. Well, if Scott Frost had his choice, we would be thinking about Illinois and not be talking about anything else because all of the other stuff, as he said, is not his job. So we'll, uh, there's, a, there's a time and a place to talk about Illinois. Brandon has a, a really excellent preview on not just Illinois, but Nebraska's entire upcoming season. He did offense and he did defense in two different pieces on AORC.com. Um, you can go find those and read them. I suggest reading them. They're really good. They accompany uh, two IE preview podcast episodes, which you should also be listening to. That is Brandon's podcast. Uh, so subscribe to that, leave him a, a review and uh, subscribe to the rest of the Hale Varsity Network. Um, we're a proud part of the Herd at Network. Uh, shouts to Cam for producing this episode every weekend for you guys, uh, to you guys for listening to this episode or this show every single week. Um, I really appreciate it. So uh, with that out of the way, Brandon, we are, uh, we're talking on, was this Thursday? Um, on Wednesday, there was a report that came down, um, from the NCAA or, or from Brett McMurphy that the NCAA was investigating Nebraska for basically improper use of analysts who can't do on-field coaching, but, um, allegedly were and, um, for moving practices last summer off site so that they could be conducted when they weren't supposed to be conducted in a manner that was against the rules. Um, that was basically the crux of it. It was Brett McMurphy reporting it from the Action Network. Um, a lot of people use the Action Network as a way to kind of discredit the report, which I don't think is probably the smart move to do. Uh, Brett McMurphy is pretty plugged in, regardless of how you feel about him after all the Zach Smith stuff. Um, so we'll see. And then, you know, Trev Alberts and Scott Frost came out and said, like, yeah, this stuff is happening. We're cooperating with the investigation. Um, Trev it was really interesting. Trev came out sort of unexpectedly with Frost and said, um, you know, just wanted to confirm this uh, for everybody that has read it. We wanted to, uh, it, it, it felt um, very mature, very grown up of, uh, of Nebraska. And um, I think, I think it was a good indicator of the kind of leader that Trev Alberts is going to be, which we can probably talk about. Um, but the angle of this that is most interesting to me is um Frost's place in all of this. And so, Brandon, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Um, are you big on dissecting body language? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say naturally so. Um, I know in Mitch Sherman's column for 
the athletic, he noted that about Trev Alberts, which, which was interesting because I don't, it, it's not my natural kind of uh, setting to, to be a big body language person, but it was slapping you in the face. If you watch that, that Trev Alberts and, and Scott Frost press conference, um, it was pretty clear that, I mean, nobody wants to, to be up there having to talk about an NCAA infractions and an NCA investigation, but it was very clear that Scott Frost wasn't, wasn't his ideal Wednesday afternoon, but it was also very clear for me with, with Trev Alberts in particular, like, you know, he talked at his opening press conference about, I want to be an open guy. I want you to be able to text me. I want you to be able to call me. I'll get you answers. Um, which is a thing a lot of people can say in an introductory press conference. Here was an example of it. And, you know, it made me think back to the last time uh, the Brett McMurphy and, and Nebraska circles intersected with the report about the Oklahoma game, which came out at about the exact same time. You know, it was first thing in the morning uh, in, back in March. And it was almost three o'clock before Nebraska had an official statement on that. Now, maybe the fact that Nebraska was already scheduled to have press availability changed things a little bit, probably did. But I also think that was, that's just who Alberts is. Like when he says we're going to be open and we're going to be accountable, um, he's not just saying it. That's, that was one of my big takeaways from yesterday. Yeah, mine too. It, it felt like, um, you know, as a writer, we look for all of these like literary tools that we can use to compare things, to contrast things. It felt like the perfect juxtaposition with Frost and with Trev Alberts standing there of what Nebraska has been and what Trev Alberts is hoping to build Nebraska into. So you have on the left with Frost, it, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get too into the, the weeds about body language. Frost looked like he didn't want to be there. I probably wouldn't want to be standing there either, especially if I couldn't answer questions that were being asked of me. Um, so that's, that's a piece of it. But Frost did look like um, sort of, when you get in trouble as a little kid and your mom makes you walk across the street to apologize to the neighbors, that's kind of what it felt like. But you have this, all of this stuff that has gone on in Frost's first three years, three and a half years, whatever it is, he's approaching year four. Um, it, it creates this picture of a Nebraska football program, not necessarily an entire athletic department because, you know, like John Cook is over here waving like, hey, we've had success and done things the right way, but a football program that has been, um, for lack of a better word, chaotic. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if we can say mismanaged, but it just seems, it seems like a mess at times. And here you have Alberts, who is coming in and saying, we have to evaluate where we are. We have to be honest about where we are. And we have to try to grow as a program and be more responsible about the way that we handle things. And like you said, this was like his first real life um, test of that mantra and I thought he passed I thought it was cool that, that he got up there and did that um, but from Frost's perspective it's now really interesting the timing of all of this because we are um, depending on when you're listening to this podcast maybe a week away from the start of Frost's fourth year it is a very very important fourth year it was a very important fourth year before the Oklahoma report came out in March it was very important this summer it was very important before this all mess happened on Wednesday. 
Um, and now I think it's even more so important because while this, this stuff, you know, improper use of analysts, you won't convince me that nobody else in the country is using their analysts wrong. Like, I, I feel like everybody is doing this, or if not everybody, a vast majority of like power five college football teams are doing this. So it's not something that you're like, oh, this is egregious. This is terrible. Um, but you start talking about all of the things that have gone on under Frost, and it can be as big as, you know, what happened with Maurice Washington or what happened with Andre Hunt and Katerian Legron, which weren't, you know, directly involving Frost, but still happened under his watch. So they're on his record. And then as small as, you know, the Minnesota hoodie stuff or the Iowa clapping stuff. And this, you know, probably falls on the, the lighter end of the spectrum, but Nebraska continues to be um, made fun of. Nebraska continues to be in the news for bad reasons. Nebraska continues to be talked about for a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with a successful winning football program. And eventually that becomes a problem. And if you're winning football games, some of this stuff is a lot easier to stomach. If you're also not winning football games, you know, I saw the joke made a ton of people being like, well, Frost was cheating with practices, but he wasn't cheating well because they only went three and five. They're 12 and 20 under Frost's watch. So at some point, while none of these individual cases are probably enough to cost a coach his job or to put a coach in serious trouble of potentially losing his job, you add everything up and you start to think like, at what point does, you know, the board of regents or do boosters look at this and say like, this has to be for Frost, this has to be like a nine win season, a 10 win season. It has to be really, really good to justify all of the crap to this point. Are you kind of in that same place or, or do you think that's maybe overblowing things a little bit? I wouldn't say I'm quite there yet. Um, <clears throat> for me to get there, I think this uh, current investigation, which all we know is basically that it involves the analysts, um, specifically an analyst, and not the practice stuff yet. But the danger with, with any sort of NCAA investigation is they show up, you know, for one reason, you know, it's almost like home maintenance, you know, like, yeah, the sink's, sink's leaking a little bit and somebody gets in there like, well, there's all this other stuff too. That's always the danger um, and why you don't want any sort of investigation, of course. And I don't know. I'm not implying that there's more out there. I don't know. Um, but if there is, there's a greater chance the NCAA is going to find it now. If they don't, I, I don't think that alone makes Nebraska, you know, it, I guess if we were operating from a position like, you know, things could get really dicey if Nebraska doesn't make a bowl game this year. I don't think this automatically raises that three or four wins, um, but it does up the pressure a little bit. Um, I guess not reaching a bowl game is more damaging with this latest information, just a little bit because it's cumulative and it's all of the things that you mentioned. And, you, you know, I really liked, you mentioned yesterday's press conference, you know, which was only four and a half minutes long. I've watched the video a couple of times. I watched it live. Um, it, it did feel like an inflection point or a, a moment of, transition because with Alberts, it seems very clear to me 
that stuff like, and we're not even talking like big stuff like NC infractions, stuff like Iowa clapping, you know, comments we've heard in the past about, well, didn't get any favors with the schedule. That was certainly true in 2020, but even before that, you know, I know people at Nebraska are like, man, we really have to play Ohio State a lot, don't we? Um, to whatever degree, I mean, there's obviously something there with the Oklahoma game. Somebody somewhere at least floated the idea of, hey, what if we don't play this? Like all of that stuff is not accountability. That's saying there are things outside of our control that have made this difficult for us. And that can be true, but Trev Alberts isn't gonna, isn't gonna stand for hearing that. So I think that's the quickest path to, hey, maybe this thing isn't going the way it needs to go. And we gotta start thinking seriously about a next step if we have to take it. I still think we're at least a season away from getting to that point. But again, that, that's based on what we know now. This is why I have you. This is why I have you on the podcast and why I wanted to talk to you because you can ground some of these maybe hot takes that I have. You're definitely more neutral and I definitely run towards the more hot take category. One guy um, that I listen to and, and I think you listen to too, I think you were the one actually that showed me this podcast, the Solid Verbal Podcast. They were talking about Nebraska and their Big Ten West preview. And uh, Dan Rubenstein said that Nebraska could go six and six, and that might not save Frost's job. And this was, that was my exact reaction that you just had. You kind of like cocked your head a little bit. Um, that was my exact reaction when I heard it. And this was a few weeks ago. I think I want to say this was in July when they recorded this. Um, so well before any of this stuff came out, um, I, I guess, you know, I just, I, I think the, the, the phrase to use with all of this stuff, Frost, when he arrived was, I guess for lack of a better word, the golden child. He was, and I think Moose actually called him that, right? Like the golden goose or the golden egg, or he used something in, in that vein. I, I believe uh, so. He definitely called him the pick of the litter. I remember that one specifically. That one, yep. So he, he had this cachet when he came back and, um, in some circles, he had carte blanche to do what he wanted on the timeline that he wanted. And I think, you know, and this has been exacerbated by most leaving, but with all the stuff that has happened, I think you've seen um, sort of an erosion of maybe that cachet um, or maybe even just a slight dip in the confidence levels in Frost. And there was a there was a quote in the Brett McMurphy report that used the phrase egregious with regards to the Nebraska football program. And I don't know many people with their name attached that would call improper use of an analyst egregious. And so a lot of people looked at that and said, well, this is the source that gave Brett McMurphy, you know, all of this stuff. Who is this unnamed person? Who is this source? And I think a lot of people had an assumption that it was somebody that used to work for Frost that, that no longer works for Frost. Um, the question that I have for you, Brandon, is because I saw this taken two different directions. I saw some people outside of the state that were saying, this feels a lot like what happened at Tennessee, where you see people within not necessarily an athletic department, but a university starting to lay the groundwork for maybe not having to pay what I think is like upwards of $20 million buyout, or it is a maybe jilted um, former co-worker. 
guess, which, which camp do you tend to lean more towards when you try to figure out like where this came from? Um, the latter. I mean, I think that's how, that's how a lot of these things start. Um, and whether you're talking about Brett McMurphy's sourcing for this or maybe how the NCAA learns of it, I think it's, it could be, it could be either of those, you know, and it's, you've got players in a transfer portal era coming in and out at a degree we haven't seen previously. That's a lot of guys who leave for a reason who, you know, may be like, oh, you know, I know for a fact that Nebraska's holding off-campus workouts when I'm at my new school and we can't. And depending who you say that to, you say that to an opposing, to one of your assistants, maybe they know Nebraska's on schedule. It goes that way. It could be somebody who was disappointed they lost their job. I mean, that, there's always that. Um, I, I think that's more likely than some sort of larger, I don't want to call it a conspiracy, a larger effort to mitigate Nebraska's liquidated damages if they get to a point where they need to make a coaching change. I mean, it's possible. It just seems like a lot. And for some of the reasons you were talking about, even if that's where this goes, you know, a year from now, four years from now, whatever it may be, because Nebraska, because Frost is such a part of Nebraska football, and because he was so revered, even if, you know, it gets to a point where they have to part ways, I still think that uh, it wouldn't get that contentious. Uh, just, just because, you know, you don't want it to end that way. I mean, with Bill Moose, and we still don't know much about exactly what happened with that at the end of June. They basically paid the whole thing. Like, did they have to? I don't know. But guys don't up and decide to retire in a week. It's just not the way things work. So I would be very surprised if things were that contentious with this current coaching staff now. But you never know. And you know, by, um, by most accounts, they're not, I mean, Frost has, seems to have a really good relationship with Ronnie Green, um, and, and seems to have a lot of mutual respect between himself and Ted Carter, which are, are two pretty important people to have in your corner. Um, you know, he might not necessarily have the relationship that he had with, with Bill Moose. He might not necessarily have that degree of a relationship with Trev Alberts. Um, but, you know, if he's got like the boss of the boss in his corner, you know, that helps. Um, and, and I think I'm, I'm with you too on sort of how this starts. I don't necessarily think yet that, you know, there's some nefarious plan to try to lay the groundwork uh, to, to remove frost. I still think, you know, and I thought this from the beginning, I think Nebraska is, is probably acutely aware of the perception that if Frost can't get it done at Nebraska, that few people will be able to get it done at Nebraska. And so I think, you know, that's also at play where they want to try to give him as much leeway as they can um, so that he can turn it around. And, you know, all this is to say, I thought, I think they're going to have a good, a good season. Like, and, and I think when we did um, like record predictions as a staff a few weeks ago, like I think I was definitely on the higher side of the win-loss total. Um, so like, I think that there, there's a chance that they'll be pretty good, um, you know, relative to what they have been. Um, so this is all, it's all just really interesting timing. And, uh, you know, like 
from Frost's perspective, he talked about, I just want to talk about Illinois. You know, we're focused on Illinois. Um, seems like he, he continues to have things that pop up that, that serve as distractions, which can probably be pretty frustrating for a, a head coach. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I think it is absolutely reasonable to um, expect Nebraska to be improved this year. Um, and like you said, relative to what they have been, like I'm not, you know, out here at nine wins or anything, but they should be better. And, and if they were, if that was the expectation before Wednesday, I don't think that needs to change now because if they were going to be better and it was going to be built on anything sustainable and realistic and long lasting, something like this can't disrupt that. And, you know, when you think back about, about Nebraska and this is to tie into the Oklahoma piece of this, um, that was the most disappointing part to me about that whole episode was Nebraska over the past three seasons has felt very fragile to me. Like you can see they're doing some good things. Like the defense makes a little bit of progress each year. Um, the offense has been more problematic, but there's some good things there too. Um, but they just seem fragile. It, it, like, you know, uh, a play going the opposite way. They fumble to open the Illinois game. Uh, can really disrupt them. Frost has talked on multiple occasions about getting some wins, stringing together some wins and letting things roll from there. And that's, that's fine when you're early in your tenure, you can kind of accept that a little bit more, but you just can't be so easily knocked off your task, which everyone's task is winning football games. To do that, that's really what that is. You look at a program, you know, hate to use this example but people don't like it but you look at a program like Iowa they just do what they do they're not disrupted it's not fun all the time it's not particularly appealing if you really like modern football but it works and they do what they do Northwestern might be the best example in the country of that and two teams Nebraska has really struggled to beat them well you could talk about Wisconsin and that right too I mean it's just it's really funny in that regard that this is the this is the collection of teams that Nebraska ends up with in the jumbled big 10. It, it's it. They're all teams that they might not be flashy. They might not be heavy hitters, but they're just going to, they're, they're not going to beat themselves and they're just going to keep on keeping on. And that's one thing that Nebraska has really struggled to do. Um, you, you know, the other thing with this, um, I, I was, I was a, a little, I was on the fence. I'm not going to say skeptical. I was on the fence about the Trev Alberts hire when it was announced. Um, he has since won me over because you talk about fragility within a program. You talk about, you know, some of the mindset stuff within a program. I think having accountability at the top to the degree that it looks like Alberts is, is going to demand, I think can be a really, really good thing um, for a program. I think it could be a really good thing for Scott Frost going forward. Um, and so I, I guess maybe if you're looking for like positive takeaways from Wednesday, that's probably one that, that you can lean on. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in about the exact same spot with, with Alberts. Um, you know, at the time the hire was made, I was a little bit surprised, but I was like, okay, uh, makes some sense. And then I quickly kind of got to the point you were at, and this is a subject for like an entirely separate podcast um but the interesting thing to me is alberts and frost you know 
they played in the same college program. Uh, Albers came from a bigger town in Iowa, but still, you know, they are very similar. And we know that their formative training in that Nebraska football program under Tom Osborne was the same. Like all of Nebraska's players were drilled with the kind of intense focus on, I think, accountability and doing things in the right way. At some point, like, so, so knowing that they share that, I don't know that I would say that that has been a, well, I wouldn't say it's been a trait of the Frost era. So the question then for, comes for me, where did it get away from that a little bit? And, you know, when you look at the rise at UCF and how quickly the Nebraska thing happened, like, it kind of makes some sense that, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to get away from some of your core values. The question I don't have is whether or not Trev Alberts is going to demand that they get back to those because that's been a very apparent over just one month. Yeah, for sure. That seems like a good place to end it. You've got to go. You have a child to take care of. So I will, uh, I'll let you get to that. Brandon, thank you for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. We'll be back next week with another one. In the meantime, just keep reading hillvarsity.com. I said in the beginning, listen to Brandon Vogel's I-80 preview podcast. Go read uh, his his offense and defensive previews on hailvarsity.com. Um, listen to all the other shows on the, the Hail Varsity Network. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. A Huda Media Production.